This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dermisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. Boy, do we have great news. We are so proud to welcome the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of Second Amendment advocates, offers elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. You can learn more about them at nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com. Hey, folks, how would you like to learn uh, to become a better self-defense with John Correa? Well, now's your chance at Cover Your ASP. That's A-S-P week. It's in San Diego, and if you're a San Diego, Riverside, San Bernardino, or Orange County gun owner, check your email for discount codes. Each uh, early bird discounts have uh, been extended through the end of the year, and training makes great Christmas gifts. Links to register are at gunownersradio.com website. All right, so we are going to talk to, who's him? (laughs) We're going to talk to Dwight. Uh, Dwight from CL1. We're going to introduce Dwight from CL1, who's a brand new sponsor. We're going to talk to him great. in depth, but we just wanted to point out that he's here with us in the studio and say hello to him. Yeah, we actually talked him into coming in. Yeah. How you doing, Dwight? I'm doing great, Mike. Oh, we got to put a mic on you somehow. Oh, here you go. Share and share alike. Uh, I'm uh, good to be here, Mike. Good to see you. Greg, yeah. good to see you. And CL1, one of our, our newest sponsors. And again, we're going to talk about... Dwight and Seal One, and uh, and have a really great conversation uh, in uh, just a couple of segments. But I just wanted to say hello. So everybody listening, we're live streaming on YouTube instead of Facebook. So uh, join our YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com/slash Gun Owners Radio, um, and you can actually watch uh, live via YouTube. It's a little bit more stable than streaming live over YouTube. We're going to have links on everybody's Facebook page, San Diego, Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino County Gun Owners. There's going to be a link to the YouTube. It's uh, Gun Owners uh, Radio, so YouTube.com slash Gun Owners Radio. Just watch us live there. And while you're there, check out our very first episode of uh, Gun Owners Radio Magnum, where we uh, go a little bit in-depth, a little bit more in-depth with some of the interviews that we did. So last week, you remember we interviewed the Australian guy? Mm -hmm. So I did about an hour and change interview with him and got a little bit more in depth oh right that's great yeah so rich came up with the uh with the technology with the well with the term gun owners radio magnum because it's a little bit more right a little bit more than the regular (laughs) i like that that nice and you can listen to that at san diego county gun owners you can listen you actually go to uh you go to youtube.com slash gun owners radio youtube.com slash gun owners radio and we're gonna have i don't know how often we're gonna do it but basically every time we can find a uh a little bit you know an engaging interview an engaging interview we're gonna go a little bit more depth a little bit more rich calls it long form long form well because we run i mean 
even though we're doing two hours, it's still two pounds of salami in a one pound bag. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and <laughs> that was the other name we were considering. I thought but... you would, should have used it, but that's not. <laughs> we went with Magnum. Magnum. I don't know. It just... Because a lot of times we get some really really good interviews, and and oh by the way, did you see the email from uh, Joel Anderson? Uh, which one? He won. <laughs> oh, of course. Saw that yeah. he won. Yeah, absolutely. So, Joel Anderson won by a couple hundred votes. Congratulations to yeah. Joel. Yeah, but stop it. They've got a couple hundred votes. That's not much. Well, people want to know, does does the San Diego County Gun Owners endorsement work? You know, is yes. it important to uh, court gun owners? Yes. There were a lot of really tight races where- uh, I think we won them all, didn't we? Well, not quite all of them. Not quite every single one that we uh, in- endorsed, but, you know, Dustin Trotter we had on a couple weeks ago, he won by five votes. And beat somebody who is decidedly anti-gun. So, yeah. and Melissa, you're going to do a, a, a gear review, right? I am. What? I have a really good gear review going on. Alexo Athletic of Pants. I'm glad you can say that. I looked at that and I said, I can't say Alexo <laughs> electrifying pants. <laughs> And then, of course, Joe's in the studio. What do you us? got, Joe, for us today? So, uh, one of the uh, let's see, number twelve of the um, uh, Conceal Carry Lifestyle series. So talking about uh, paying attention a little bit, situational awareness and color codes. And and we have a really cool, what we're going to, I don't know if you saw last week, of course, everybody's talking about the uh, the newest shutdown, the newest COVID shutdown. There, We slipped into whatever color, whatever, puce yeah. or purple or whatever, yeah. and they're shutting everything down. Tonight. And there was a really fantastic video that was put out by Sheriff Chad Bianco, who's the sheriff of Riverside County. Um, he put it out, I think, Thursday, but it was last week. And I wanted to play that clip because we're actually going to have him on in the next segment to talk about it. I thought it was outstanding. He's an outstanding sheriff. And his message here is uh, really fantastic. So we're going to play that clip real quick. Brendan? For all you YouTubers out there. Hello. I'm Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco. We have all recently learned of the new regional approach to combating COVID-19 and the pending closure and stay-at-home orders from our governor. We were also told there was a potential he would be withholding federal and state funding from counties who did not enforce the orders. Ironically, it wasn't that long ago our same governor loudly and publicly argued how wrong it was for the President of the United States to withhold federal funding from states not complying with federal laws. The dictatorial attitude toward California residents while dining in luxury, traveling, keeping his business open, and sending his kids to in-person private schools is very telling about his attitude toward California residents, his feelings about the virus, and it is extremely hypocritical. These closures and stay-at-home orders are flat-out ridiculous. The metrics used for closures are unbelievably faulty and are not representative of true numbers and are disastrous for Riverside County. When the medical field is so split about this virus, it might be time to employ a little common sense. Keeping money and support from our hospitals who are struggling with normal, seasonal increases in patients coupled with COVID-19 patients is irresponsible. It appears part of the new goal is to shift attention away from his and others' personal behavior with a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do attitude by turning public opinion against California sheriffs. He is expecting us to arrest anyone violating these orders, cite them and take their money, close their businesses, make them stay in their homes, and take away their civil liberties, or he will punish all of us. I believe that all jobs are essential to someone. Leaders do not threaten, attempt to intimidate, or cause fear. 
bullies do. As has been our position from the beginning of this pandemic, the Sheriff's Department is asking and expecting Riverside County residents to act responsibly and do what they can to protect themselves and their family from contracting the virus. Wear your mask and practice social distancing. While the Governor's Office and the state has threatened action against violators, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department will not be blackmailed, bullied, or used as muscle against Riverside County residents in the enforcement of the Governor's orders. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a safe and Happy New Year. Oofta. Oofta. That, that's a sheriff. That's a real sheriff. If you're out there listening right now and you're not standing up and applauding, then there's something wrong with then you. Then there's something wrong with you because that's – talk about leadership. Yeah, and we wow. put that – that's on our Facebook page as well. I, I threw that up there the other day, and it was like uh, lots of interest on there, so people were watching wow. it. That's, that's amazing. Good. Well, Chad Bianco is coming on next. Um, we have a packed show. We have a lot of really interesting guests, a lot of really interesting content, uh, but I'm really looking forward to talking to the sheriff, and uh, I really appreciate his leadership in all this. Uh, I mean, for someone to stand up, make a video, and push back on the governor like that – um, I think is outstanding, and uh, I, I think it deserves to be heard. So I really wanted to make sure that we focused on it. I immediately reached out to him and said, hey, can you come on the show and talk about it? So we wanted to play you that clip and interview the sheriff, and so he's coming up next. And share it every chance you get, folks. Share it to all your friends, relatives, the people on the left, the people on the right, because I think both sides really would like to hear this. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio right here on FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, educating you on your Second Amendment right. Now, here are your hosts of Gun Owners Radio, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Well, this segment is sponsored by John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group. If you have legal matters that involve firearms, that you need to call John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150. Or you can visit his website at Dillon, Dillon Law Group or GP.com. Dillon Law GP.com. So, what did you think of the sheriff's statement? I thought it was awesome. Leaders do not threaten, attempt to intimidate, or cause fear. Bullies, Bullies do. Bullies do. Yeah. And I don't think we have him on the line, do we? Oh, we do. All right. Fantastic. So, well, I got to tell you, it was uh, was an amazing uh, speech. Amazing. Truly was, Sheriff. And uh, I think that was uh, such a fantastic show of leadership um, in a state that isn't well known for uh, elected officials leading. Leading. (laughs) So um, I I just thought it was fantastic. I got to tell you, I deal with politicians all the time, elected officials all the time. And the wishy-washiness and the gee golly gosh, I'm afraid if I if I make an opinion known and people uh, don't like it that uh, you know uh, that it'll reflect badly on me. And 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 for you to stand up and say, hey, look, this is how it is. I'm you know I'm I represent 
the people who elected me and uh, for you to, to call them out like that, I think was extremely brave. What, what was, tell, tell me your thoughts on it. What was the thought process on putting that video out? Well, I, all along from the beginning of the pandemic, I've, uh, we found that me doing these videos was uh, very receptive from our county residents. They liked seeing them. They liked hearing the message. And really throughout the whole thing, it was they appreciated my honest, upfront, common sense approach. And so um, knowing, you know, over the last nine months that the rules keep changing, they decide, you know, what they're, how they're going to shut it down, what the goals really are. If you remember, in the very beginning, this was supposed to last two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, a, a million Riverside County residents were going to die. So in the beginning, it was like, yes, I'm all for this. We, we need to do something. But over the last nine months, we've all come to realize that it's I don't think this virus is as deadly as they say. Now, with that, I believe it does present its major problems with people that have other health issues. We lost two deputies, and, I mean, that was tragic for our department. So there are people that say I have no heart and say that I'm killing people and and that this is going to be worse and that I don't care about lives. But I do. I do care about lives. I think that this is just not the right approach when this matrix where they've come up with a new matrix that 135 people right now, we only have 135 people in ICUs in Riverside County that have to do with COVID out of two and a half million people. So we're going to shut down the entire County, close businesses, two and a half million people have to stay in their house because 135 people are in the hospital with COVID. Right. It doesn't really make sense. But then the real issue comes to me for, for me is there was so much that went into this. It, it just isn't about the, the, this virus. Over the last year, the, the governor has released 20,000 inmates, roughly, maybe a little bit more than that, back into our neighborhoods for nothing. Um, he does not believe in incarceration. Our legislature is making it extremely difficult for law enforcement officers to do our job and, and keep people safe. And so we're being forced to accept all of these real criminals into our neighborhoods, and then they expect us to make criminals out of business owners and waiters and waitresses and hair salon owners and nail, you know, men and women. It doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. And they want law enforcement in a time where we are doing our absolute best to build bridges with the community, to um, fix relationships, to mend relationships. They want us to be the muscle, the arm of that enforcement of closing businesses and making people stay in their house. And we not only do we not have the money or the personnel to do it, I just think it's the wrong thing to do. Well, and you have been, and for, for those who don't know, you were just elected just a couple of years ago, and you, you actually ran against an, an incumbent who'd been there for a while and wanted to stay there a little bit longer, and uh, you really just blew the tires off and, and said, hey, you know what, there's some things I want to change, there are things I believe in, and people responded to it, and you know, when we... Uh, started Riverside County Gun Owners uh, about a about a year ago at our first event. We we made sure to invite you because you'd have done so much to improve a lot of things, but especially one of the things we care about a lot, which was the CCW program. And you didn't just talk about it; you actually did it. You were in office for just a couple of months, and people started seeing huge improvements. And this has been an enormously tough year for someone who's in their second year of being sheriff. 
and you haven't backed down. You haven't compromised your principles. Um, you, I've watched you, uh, you know, build bridges and talk to different communities and, and are very respectful of uh, the people that, uh, you know, live in Riverside County, but you don't compromise your principle and you are a leader. And, and I think that uh, that leadership, uh, I, I think you probably influenced some other sheriffs because after you sent out that video, um, there were some other sheriffs in, in uh, California that, that followed suit. And I don't know how much communication you guys have with each other, but, uh, you know, I think that's the benefit of leadership. And I, you know, I don't know if other sheriffs are, you know, if, I don't know if you guys get together and say, hey, we, what are you going to do? You know, we, we, you know, let's let's get together and and uh, do the same thing. But it cer- cer- certainly seems that your leadership uh, paid dividends. Yeah, you know, early on we talk. I mean, I, I'm friends with my my neighboring sheriffs, Orange County, San Bernardino, San Diego, um, Los Angeles. I text with them. We talk. Uh, but early on in this, we, we all came to the agreement, not necessarily agreement. It was just our own personal opinions and how we were going to lead our organizations, that we did not feel that this was law enforcement's role uh, to be enforcing this when we had – a regular job to do when we st- we're, we're still handling crime, we're still fighting crime. So for the most part, there hasn't been uh, any law enforcement agency that has gone on the enforcement side. There have been some instances where there has been citations issued and, you know, some of those have made the news, but overall we're, we're, pretty much on the same page. So um, them coming out, I don't want to I, I don't think I influenced it. I think that they were, they believed that anyway. What I will say is I, I may be just a little bit more vocal than what others are and, and a little bit more reserved. I think they still feel the same way I am. I just, sometimes I can't control myself and keep it in. So, um, you know, that it, it gets out there a little bit more. Um, one thing that you mentioned earlier about politicians. I, I think that my my appeal and why this went so far and why I've had such success over the last several months is people just want the truth. They want to be treated like adults and they want to be told the truth. And when that happens, they're more likely to side with you to do what you would like them to do rather than know that they're being lied to and try to be convinced to do something they may or may not want to do, they, you just lose that respect. So I certainly, while I am an elected official, I certainly will never be a politician. What you see with me is what you get. I, I hope that everything I do comes across as ethical and in the best interest of, of our residents, and that, that won't change. I, I guess that's who I am, and that certainly won't change. And I think that's awesome. Now, one of the things – one of the uh, other than law enforcement uh, enforcing these, uh, you know, these 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 COVID restrictions. One of the things the state has in their in their toolbox is pulling licensing. You know, every job that you have to, you know, they they have just about every business that you open, you have to have a. It seems like a, you know, very specific license. Whether you're you know painting nails or or uh, whatever you're doing, um, you know, bars, restaurants, alcohol, you know, license, food right. license, that sort of thing. One of the threats has been that, hey, if you don't comply and if the sheriff won't send somebody to, to arrest you, then we'll just pull your license and you'll be out of business permanently. Have, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Is there a way around it? Is that, is, is that a realistic threat? Is it legal? I think it is a realistic threat. Um, the legality, I don't know. I, I, think that, I think that's why we employ attorneys because 
they half of them agree and half of them don't, and that's what they get paid for is to argue their point. Uh, I don't know if it would be legal or not, but certainly that threat and that um, that consequence is real. And I, while I have not, I don't know anyone personally that has had a state license revoked. I've heard that that they have uh, with cosmetology, especially with barbers and with. Uh, nail salons and with with hair salons so liquor licenses that is a state regulated license so anything like that they certainly could take that from you um that's scary that's scary business it it really is It, it it is and i've you know i've talked to some of the uh some of the county supervisors who said yeah we'd love to you know, not comply. And so, you know, even some of the, the DAs, um, although, you know, down here in San Diego, our DA tried to make a, an example of a gym owner in, in, in this mm-hmm. little, you know, town in Ramona. And a lot of people um, talked her out of it, you know, and said, no, this yeah. is not going to happen. I say talked her out of it. That's not exactly what happened. They got, they got uh, irate and said, this is ridiculous. This isn't why we supported you. But that's a real scary consequence where even some of the county supervisors who are saying, yeah, we want to push back. But, you know who's going to step up first and say, "All right, well, I'll I'll uh, I'll risk my entire livelihood, my entire licensing, to get rid of it." It's a it's 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 really really terrifying. What do, now? Have you thought about? Uh, maybe it's way too early, but you know, there's an election coming up in two years. Is there a a, a governor? Are you are you shopping for a candidate <laughs> or? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I have my own election in two years, so. Um, no, I'm, I'm right now I'm worrying about my election and making sure that I'm doing everything what I should be doing for our uh, Riverside County residents. So they, they keep me going in this position. So, uh, it's, I, I've seen all of the comments and heard all of the talk, but, um, I'm not quite sure that's for me. (laughs) I don't blame you. Keep up the good work. Keep doing what you're doing because the city of rivers or the County Riverside, the city of Riverside really, really needs a sheriff with your mindset and uh just know i've gotten already i can't tell you how many little texts and what have you just saying they listened to it to seen the video and said you had a big set and that's about <laughs> all that's about all i can say about that it continued <laughs> yeah. but i'm going to leave it at that <laughs> yes i, I <laughs> he doesn't know what to say to that <laughs> <laughs> what can you say I think it's a pretty good compliment, personally, if you ask me. All right, sir. Thank you very much. And uh, we'd love to have you on down the road and tell us how things are going in Riverside. Of course. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sheriff. Wow. You guys keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. There's more Gun Owners Radio with Dave, Joe, and Michael to come on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Well, the California assault weapon law makes it almost impossible to own an AR-style rifle. What's the solution? Buy a Cali key for your rifle. Cali key converts any mil-spec direct impingement AR-15 or AR-10 into a bolt-action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. 
It's a true drop-in solution. No milling, no aesthetic modifications, and no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. All right, who's our next guest? Our next guest, if you've uh, paid any attention to the Second Amendment world and done any reading at all, you're going to know who Dan Waz is. He's the author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, and we had him on the sh- uh, him on the show here today to uh, talk to him about his book and then uh, some other things that are going on in the Second Amendment wor- world. How you doing, Dan? Hey, how you guys doing in de- down there in uh, San Diego? I'm up here in New York, freezing to death. <laughs> well, we're doing good. We're oh, definitely it's freezing here. I think it's like 64. I seriously, Stop it. I almost didn't wear <laughs> flip flops to the station today. It was that cold. But... Oh, you guys are killing me. Are you in New York City or upstate? No, upstate. We're about uh, about three hours uh, up uh, north of New York City in a, in a city called Saratoga Springs. We're known for the. Uh, the harness track, the racetrack. Yeah. Uh, nice place. We're right just south of the uh, Adirondack Mountains. Beautiful, beautiful landscape up here. So, so you wrote an awesome book, uh, Good Gun, Bad Thank Guy. Um, but let's uh, let's talk about let's back up before you even uh, got to writing the book. What, what's your interest in guns? How did you get involved in the Second Amendment world? I, I'll give you I'll give you the bullet points and make it quick. My father uh, raised me to be familiar with guns, so we went hunting and target shooting and stuff like that when I was a kid. So I was. I was familiar. I was not afraid of guns. I was. We had, we had fun with them. It wasn't my thing. I was a guitar player, so I toured in rock bands most of my life. Uh, guns just wasn't my thing until. Um, well, it, I, and I should back up a little bit. My, you know, while I was playing in bands and touring uh, through the '80s and '90s, I was hanging out with what I what I call the wrong crowd. Hanging with the wrong crowd. They weren't bad people. They weren't bank robbers or any drug dealers or anything. But they were anti-gun liberals. And that that started to permeate my thought process, you know, thinking guns are bad. And I was surrounded by this anti-gun messaging. And uh, I started to go anti-gun. And I, I really did. And it was really a, kind of a strange thing because I know I, I, I'd known that guns were, were not dangerous if they're used properly. So anyway, fast forward, my wife and I are coming out of a late-night movie theater years later. And uh, we had a run-in with this guy. And I tell the whole story in Good Gun, Bad Guy in detail but the the end result was we ended up at the car unharmed but it was enough to shake me up and and make me realize that my thought process on guns was backwards it was twisted it was wrong and it was it was because i had been indoctrinated so to speak i had been convinced of something that wasn't true uh, i told my wife that night i'm getting a gun you know, because my job as a man, as a husband, as a father, is to be able to protect my my family. And that night, I didn't think I would have been able to do it. So everything changed. It was one of those, you know, moments of clarity where you realize the way you thought about a particular topic was completely wrong. And so I went on to start researching, and I started looking at holsters and, and handguns and safes, and we went through the whole process, the whole concealed carry process, brought my wife right along with me. Yeah, but Dan, I to read. Dan, what yeah. did she say when you told her you're going to get a gun? She came from a non-gun-owning family, so she was very apprehensive. She was she was actually scared. Um, and what I, tell my, what I tell my friends is, you know, if you have a spouse that's not on board, um, get them on board because it's for their best interest and it's not necessarily a, uh, something you will negotiate. I won't negotiate the safety of my family right. with 
someone due to their fear of guns. So you're, so drag- so you're dragging her around with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what the funny, funny thing is, is later on, you know, now obviously I had, we have guns in the house and she's been comfortable with it now for a while. So it's funny, though, because we could be in a situation in a location that might not feel so safe to her and she'll she'll say, uh, she'll nudge me, you know, she'll give me a little nudge with her elbow and say, uh, are you carrying? Ah. And I, I tell her the same thing. Uh, am I in the shower right now? Yeah. <laughs> you should know the answer to that. And she always feels much, much safer and, and much better now. So um, life has changed for the better. Oh, what a yeah, I get that same question and I have that same answer. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so it's a common thing. So I guess yeah. you weren't touring with Ted Nugent. Uh, no, I'm not touring. I have some friends who have, but <laughs> I mean, he wasn't one of the ones. Clearly, that was. Oh, I just, no, no, right, I think right, it's right, interesting right. that some of the, the the rock and roll guys you were touring with were some of the anti-gun guys. Mike is a big music fan, so his eyes lit up when you said you were touring, <laughs> and I know he wants to know who you were touring with. Well, it's. I, I, Go ahead. Well, I, I toured in a band called U.S. Bandit in New York City. Uh, we we toured East Coast, mostly East Coast stuff. I toured in a Kiss tribute band, believe it or not. Oh. Uh, for a long time, mostly East Coast stuff. I um, was out to Cal. I was out in Hollywood for a little while doing some stuff, but um, you know, uh, me, you know, kind of a semi-pro rock bands, club bands, bar yeah. bands. What'd you play? Like that. I, I play guitar. Right. Guitar has been like a, a third arm to me for my entire life. It's just part of me. You know, well, so. I just always find it interesting because when I was growing up, listening to you know a lot of the rock bands I was listening to. It's they seem to be you know pro gun you know that's kind of where some of my pro gun uh, uh, you know uh, opinions came from yeah that and of course the movie Red Dawn but <laughs> but then growing up that a lot of them have turned out to you know be the opposite but uh, you know um, I don't know there's enough out there where you know we actually interviewed Billy Sheehan um, he's a big uh, pro gun guy awesome guy awesome yeah, guy I met yeah. Billy a couple of times yeah and uh, but you know it's just amazing that you know some of this. Some of the, um, you know, some of the some of the music that came out in the '80s and, and '90s that was, you know, kind of anti, you know, government control, and you know, yet, you know, uh, here we are, 20, 30 years later, and they're very, in, a lot, many of them are very in, in favor of uh, more government control when it ca- comes to a Second Amendment right. I, I was always extremely disappointed. I'd see like Chris Cornell doing a fundraiser for an anti-gun you know, initiative or whatever that, and it's just heartbreaking. I thought how, you know, you guys are the ones that taught me in my youth, you know, about rights and standing up to, you know, the big guy. And then, I don't know. So you shattered their records. (laughs) Well, you know, and and just by the way, Billy Sheehan comes from New York. He came from, I think it was from Buffalo, a band called Talus, if you guys know Talus, a killer band. I mean, High Speed on Ice, they had some great, great songs. Um, then he went on to play with David Lee Roth and stuff, and Mr. Big and all sorts of stuff. So D- Billy Sheehan, I've always been a huge fan of Billy Sheehan. Um, but you know, then there's guys like um, Motley Crue. I've always been, a, I was always a big Motley Crue fan, and then to see Tommy Lee come out with his left wing yeah. rhetoric, it's really disappointing because I love the guy. Yeah. You know, but so what was the what was the catalyst to make you write the book? What what finally, you know, you're going through this journey. You had an incident. You know, you brought your wife along. You, you did a bunch of research. But what was the catalyst to actually write the book? What made you go, you know what, I got to get this message out? It was that night, and it was recognizing the fear of guns and how irrational it was. 
And it's it's a strange thing the way our, our, our subconscious minds can be influenced by our surroundings, by our environment. We are who we hang out with. We are who we surround ourselves with. And that's what happened to me. So it was that fear of guns that, that I knew was false because I had experience from when I was a kid. If I didn't have the experience with my dad, um, things may have been different. But I had that solid foundational experience, but yet I was still convinced that guns are bad. Um, So it was that fear, that irrational uh, fear of guns that caused me to write an article called Fear of Guns. And it got picked up. It was just an article that I wrote. I'd never written a thing in my life. And I wrote this article called Fear of Guns, got picked up by a bunch of websites and stuff, and it turned into the first chapter of Good Gun, Bad Guy. Um, And then that book went on to practically write itself as I went on to learn about the propaganda and how the left-wing media infiltrates society with this anti-gun messaging and and the strategies they use and the mindset of the anti-gunners. What actually goes on in their minds, we don't realize it all the time, but they're scared to death of guns, and they hate gun owners because they believe that we are intentionally and recklessly putting everyone in danger. This is their their truth, as they say, and it's so delusional, and it's so twisted and so backwards, but I knew it because I saw it from that perspective. So the first book, Good Gun, Bad Guy, I just practically wrote itself. Then, then the second book was written, um, talks more about the media's influence in the process. And then Good Gun, Bad Guy 3 came out. And to me, I think that is the, the, the cream of the crop because it talks about the politics behind the gun grab and why politicians are, are, are behind anti-gun uh, legislation. Uh, what what they're really going for. What are they really and, going for? Talk a little bit well, about that. <laughs> well, they're going for control. I mean, these these socialist Democrats are not out to help anybody, as much as they might say. But they can't... See, they were supposed to have already implemented socialism, but they never got the guns. They weren't able to get the guns. They've been trying for decades, but they weren't able to do it. It started with the, the 1994... Um, assault weapons ban that sunsetted 10 years later, that was going to be their, their, their foot in the door of banning guns and killing the Second Amendment, but they weren't able to do it. So now, fast forward to 20, 2019, 2018, 2020, and you got Ocasio-Cortez and her gang of radicals voicing the, their, their actual intentions in public. And Democrats are saying, wait a minute, shut up. Don't be talking about that. We never got the guns. So the the fact is they're trying to implement socialism in America, but they never did get the guns. They were supposed to, and they've been trying for decades. Part of the problem, I mean, in 2000, we had eight years of a president who was a former Texas governor, um, you know, supposedly uh, uh, pro-gun Republicans controlled the House and the Senate. And what did it get us? I mean, they allowed the the uh, the assault weapons ban to sunset, and they didn't replace it, and that's fantastic. But what did they do to really protect our rights going forward? I mean, it, it was it was like they did absolutely nothing. Next thing you know, we have uh, a bunch of anti gunners taking over the House and the Senate, and then you know Obama was absolutely no you know friend to to guns. But as long as we continue to allow nothing to be okay. 
You know, we're going to continue to get beat by the anti-gunners who never allow nothing to be okay. They're all, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get elected, and then we're going to do it. Where the pro-gunners, typically Republicans, you know, say, hey, elect us because the other guy's uh, so much worse. And then we get into office, and they, you know, they're a potato. They do absolutely yeah. nothing. What, you know, what, what can be done? Why, how do we hold their feet to the fire? What do you think? Well, I think we definitely have to keep speaking out because, and I think we're getting stronger. I think what's happening is Republicans right now during this Trump era um, are, are really becoming strong. And you see the rallies, you see the unity, you see the people coming out and saying, hey, we're not going to take this crap anymore. We're not going to let you steal an election. We're not going to let you do, you know, do all this stuff. Um, so I think it just took a while because Republicans, we don't want to fight. Like, hey, leave us alone. You know, just, just leave me alone. I got my Constitution, my Bill of Rights. Don't mess with it. And let me do whatever the heck I want to do. As long as I'm not hurting anybody, just go away. Right. But Democrats don't want that. Democrats want you to do what they want you to do. And, and, that's, and, and they're, uh, they're intent on fighting for it. So now, Republic, I think the good news is now Republicans are finally waking up. Conservatives are waking I should say conservatives are waking up because not all Republicans are like that. But um, most con- conservatives are willing to fight now. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. I love watching. I love the flags flying and I love the unity and I love people getting out in the streets and saying, hey, we're not going to take this crap anymore. Well, That's how do people right. find your books? Yeah. Goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com. All right. That's all we needed to hear. All right. Keep up the good work and tell your wife you're packing. It's okay. Thanks so much. She already knows. I appreciate it. All right. All right. You take care. Hey, folks. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. It is. folks welcome back to gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer all right folks hey seal one is our newest sponsor and we can't be happier seal one clp plus is an all-in-one solution that cleans lubricates and protects your guns it's also natural non-toxic and environmentally friendly seal one was founded by a navy seal here in san diego and all their products are made in the usa Seal One is also a strong supporter of SDCGO, so we are very proud to have them on board. Clean your guns faster, better with Seal One. Get some on their website at sealone.net or your local gun shop. And if they don't have any, tell them to get you some. All right, we got an in-house uh, Dwight Settle. He is from Seal One, and he's a 10-ring sponsor. Dwight, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Mike, <coughs> excellent. Thanks for for thanks for coming. Appreciate all the help you give us. Yeah. It's not uncommon to see Dwight at our shooting socials, teaching people how to shoot, um, and volunteering on uh, uh, all kinds of stuff for San Diego County Gun Owners. So thank you so much, Dwight. My pleasure. Glad I can help out. So tell us the history of Seal One. Uh, Seal One is uh, a product that's bio based, non toxic. Uh, my business partner Scott Lee. He actually developed the product, and uh, he had he'd made many products in the gun industry in the world. You know that, um, if, especially in the black powder side. So if you're familiar with um, now, I'm not even a bore butter, uh, Wonder Lube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he developed all those products and made them for 
you know, other people. Is he a chemist? Um, not really. <laughs> Sitting in the kitchen <laughs> on his wife's stove, making up this stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, he just decided, he goes, look, there's got to be something that you can use that won't kill you while you clean your firearms. Yeah. You know, because uh, firearms have been around a lot longer than petroleum has. Sure. So... He just started, you know, playing around and um, from the boar butter and then through the years finally came up with this formula, which is when I met him a uh, little over 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was just playing with the product and I really felt that I kept my guns clean, you know. And so first time I did and it was like I would take out my sig 226 take it out clean it even even though i had been shooting it just to keep it clean and make sure it's not rusting or anything so it was clean first time i used this product my gun was not clean i mean and i was like going i thought it was clean yeah i was wait dude you know so um it just really intrigued me so I started talking with him and he goes, you know, I've got this. So we went into business together sure. and we have a, another, so there's three of us, uh, Tony Payne, myself and Scott Lee and, uh, Tony Payne and I met in the Philippines in 1981. He was a Marine and, um, I, I was a SEAL. Tony was one of the, uh, few Marines. There was one of the street bars there in McSaisai on the Philippines. And when four more SEALs showed up, the Marines would leave, and then then it just kind of became our bar for a couple of hours, and then we'd leave. <laughs> we'd let Tony stay, though. Then you get back to him. <laughs> yeah. And it's just one of those things that it well, yeah. happened. It's like how you start in the garage. Yes. You know? yeah. And next thing you know, now you have a multi-billion dollar corporate. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. you do, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, and it, it sounded to me like it was just passion more than anything. There had to be a better way. Right. Exactly. And so now it's, uh, you know, it was like, Hey, let's get this out there and see what happens. Start. Yeah. Start spreading the word. And, um, because there really is nothing out there like this. It, um, there's a lot of great products out there and a lot of different products. And I tell you what, if I'd have known how many lubricants and cleaners were on the market when I got into this you wouldn't have done it. <laughs> right I, <laughs> I, you know it might have been a little different but see where ours is different is like when i'm at shows and i do a lot of law enforcement shows mm-hmm. um uh, especially when we first started the first three years um it was on the road going to just law enforcement law enforcement and getting the word out that way um because it's just three of us you know so uh um, didn't have- law enforcement would be the best way to go versus the general public. Because if you can get the law enforcement on board, the rest of it will be fairly easy. That's right. You know, and a lot of the law enforcement guys, not all of them, you know, I mean, you, and it's a lot more in the sheriffs, but we also went after a lot of the, the SWAT teams mm-hmm. and all because they do a lot of the shooting. Your average police officer, unfortunately, does not shoot that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's uh, police officers out there that will only shoot once a year qualifying. Because they have to. Correct. Right. So it's, that's the sad part, you know, but yeah. uh, that's not about gun cleaning. That's just uh, something that, 
you know, it's sad. So, Dwight, um, so <coughs> the you, you were talking about how uh, the uh, seal one is is bio friendly, which I, I I think you indicated that means it's not made of it's not petroleum based. Is Cor- that- that's correct. And most solvents out there are are petroleum based, right? Uh, the majority of them, petroleum or yes, I mean a lot harsher form and they are harsh man my my wife hates it when i bust out the hoppies oh my gosh i get in so much trouble i mean it's 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 rough stuff man so um but seal one is is not made from petroleum and it cleans and and lubricates or do you have two separate products is it a solvent and a lubricant or is it two separate products it's a solvent a lubricant and a cleaner all and preservative basically all, all in one product wow so you'll put it on your firearm you cover each piece inside and out, the bore, everything. I mean, when you field strip it down, you cover each piece with it. And um, it takes about three cleanings, and I like to say it's a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, so that you're not just cleaning and then not using it. You know, you can go out and use it. So if you take the first time you use it, if you start with a clean gun, you're going to be amazed like I was to see how much carbon and all is still coming out and then just go shoot again. And then that second time you're seeing that it's going much easier than what you're used to. And pretty soon it gets to a point of where after the third time, we like to just say, you know, it's wipe on, wipe off, wax on, wax off, you know, like Mr. Miyagi. And, um, cause it is that easy, the carbon, copper, lead, nothing is sticking. It's, just wiping off much easier you don't have to scrub on your ars you know the bolt face and the uh firing pin you got the carbon that builds up on there and you typically have to take a um you know some type of metal to scrape it off yeah yeah and um with ours you won't have to do that it's just going to wipe right off now do you have to disassemble the gun completely to use it um well, when you clean it, you should, yeah. you know, and you're never going to be able to do it. And you just, yeah, no, I'll lose all the springs. All the springs. <clears throat> so you just take, oh, a- no, no, I'm just talking field stripping, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you normally, like you're taught in the military, field strip it down, clean it. So no, you're not doing the, um, you know, like your, uh, gunsmiths and all. Gotcha. Yeah. So just apply, put it on a patch, wipe it down and then clean patch, wipe it off and, and you're good to go. Is that, is that generally the idea? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. It's real simple. And then you don't need any other product and, and it's, it's done. Greasy and it's not, doesn't leave a residue. Um, no, well it is so slippery that, um, even, I mean, you'll wipe it, but you'll feel it. And when you wipe it all off, your firearm is dry, but it's lubricated. Okay. So you'll put it on and you wipe it off and you'll feel there's something there. The biggest thing that happens is people don't feel that they get to, remove everything so they i mean they they're used to leaving lubricant on there so they do and it's okay until you get in a real cold environment especially if you've left it on thick and it's gotten into the uh, the firing pin which would um you know on a striker fired mm-hmm. then you might have the problem but if you're not coke coating it in there i mean it'd be really hard to get it in there but wipe it all off let me guess you have a video on your website that shows you how to use it. Yes, we do. You know how good I am? Because that's the name of the game nowadays, right? Yes. it's a When full- in doubt, 
go to the video. Yeah, it's a four-minute video uh, there. Um, on our, our, You can find it on our Facebook page and all. Okay. Seal1.net. And just about every just about every shop in town I, I, that I know of carries you guys. Um, so if, if they, like I said in the commercial, if you walk into your favorite shop and they don't have Seal1, yell at them. Yell at them. That's right. <laughs> thanks, yeah. Mike. All right. Thanks. All right. Yeah, it's great having you on board. I, I might, you might clean your guns for... Right. Well, I might go shoot them now. Yeah. That's all the reason. Now that you know you can clean them. Uh, now that I know I can clean them, but I don't have to... I hate cleaning. I'm going to hire somebody. Melissa. All right. She's better at it. That's even better. I'll let Melissa clean it. She'll clean anything. Yeah. All right. Hey, folks. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, well, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. If you have taken if you have taken training, then you know you should have covered for the legal battle for your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does U.S. Law Shield. Guess what? Gun owners, radio listeners, get a free T-shirt when you join. That's right. Use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com and get yourself a cool T-shirt. That's right. And just a reminder, we're live streaming on YouTube instead of Facebook. So join our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash gun owners radio. And while you're there, check out our first episode of Gun Owners Radio Magnum, and where we interview <laughs> a, an Australian about gun ownership. And Mike really likes that Magnum, so <laughs> go for it. Yeah. All right, Mr. Jamisi, what have you got for us today? So, got a, um, actually, you know, the uh, the 12th of the Concealed Carry Lifestyle Series Remember, we started this way back in, I think, February was the first one. And the idea was, um, okay, we've got so many more new concealed carry um, people out there that I thought, okay, let's do a series of articles. Maybe every couple of weeks we'll do another one that's specifically targeted at new concealed carry people. Because there's so much to learn. You know, the, the gun and the permit are kind of the easy part. There's so many other things to that you have to learn and you should learn anyway to do this and um yeah i noticed today it's december and this is the 12th one so we're more or less right on schedule here so that was <laughs> the 12 uh, days of ccw that was a nice realization so um this week what i was with the articles about is um is what is uh, situational, situational awareness, awareness. <laughs> and um and color codes so situational awareness uh, well one of the big things i always talk about too is is the need for training and to learn as much as you can with this and i think gun owners a lot of times just gun owners in general don't maybe 
take as many classes as they should or, or read or learn as much as they should. And, you know, I always encourage people to do that for a lot of reasons with firearms, but especially if you're going to carry concealed and you're going to be carrying a loaded gun around with you, you really need to, you know, to embrace it. What I, what I call the uh, concealed carry lifestyle. You know, it's uh, someone was talking today on the way in. Um, we were talking about somebody asked, the, you know, do you guys carry every day? And pretty much like Dan, the, the guest we had here a couple of segments ago, is, yeah, if I'm not in the shower, I'm pretty much carrying. You don't shower carry? And, uh, not yet. No, not yet. But you got uh, the product that will get it nice and clean. You can do that. Well, I'm, 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 I'm always looking for holsters, so, uh, so maybe we'll check that out. Um, but, you know, people should be learning that kind of stuff. And um, when you talk to instructors, a lot of people that are knowledgeable about this, you know, the gun is kind of the last resort you know, what you should be trying to do is is everything you could possibly do to avoid getting in a situation where the gun is your only option, where you have to do something like that. So along those lines, we talk about situational awareness. And it's not, you know, it sounds like a techie military term or something like that, but really what it means is paying attention to what's around you and who's around you and uh, being aware of that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, when you look at, uh, like I always talk about John Correa's videos. I think John's got some of the the best source of um, information or education that's absolutely free. Um, you know, every day he puts a new video on there, and it's um, it's a video of actual crimes that are going on. And John breaks them down and analyzes them, and he looks at, you know, what did the good guy do wrong? What did he do right? What did the bad guy do? And just a great source of information. But if you uh, watch John's things, he'll talk about uh, transitional spaces. And what transitional spaces are just uh, areas that the public has access to. Things like convenience stores, gas stations, um, you know, anything like that. Malls. And, yeah, and you just need to be aware when you're out there. And that's the situational awareness part. Um, he had a video today where uh, it was from L.A., actually. And it was two guys walking down the street. And it was, you know, fairly nice-looking neighborhood. I mean, it didn't look all ratty. There were cars going back and forth. It wasn't deserted in the middle of the night or anything. And two, you know, looked like maybe in their 20s, something like that. One guy's playing on his phone, looking down at the phone. The other guy's uh, got his hands in his pocket and looking down at the street. And they're walking, and this car pulls up, and uh, the doors open up, and these two guys run out of the car toward them. And there's other cars behind these, this car just driving around them. And, you know, the idea is nobody's going to help you. You know, it's you're your own first responder. But these guys weren't aware of anything until they, these two other two guys were right on them. And they chase down the one guy and uh, they start beating on him. The other guy stands there, doesn't help his buddy, doesn't run away, just stands there. So the driver gets out of the car, comes over, and they rob him. <laughs> and, um, you know, being aware of what's around you is, um, is what's going on because lots of people go out there and they're just not paying attention. And, you know, you'll hear uh, if you read accounts like from crime victims and things like that, one of the things you hear often is, uh, you know, he came out of nowhere. You know, and criminals don't come out of nowhere. They're, they're predators. They go through a process just like other predators do. And, you know, you've got to be selected. They have to get close to you, and then they, they do their thing. So a lot of times if you're aware of stuff, um, you can spot that kind of behavior and in enough time to get away or to get yourself deselected. So how do you explain to somebody, and I, I've actually heard this a lot from people that aren't uh, real familiar with, with uh, certainly not CCW lifestyle, um, what's the difference between situa situational awareness and paranoia? Well, see, and that, that gets more into the, um, the color codes that we're going to talk about, and that, those come from Colonel Cooper. And, um, 
you know, if you get into the color codes, the uh, we have we have white, uh, yellow, orange, and red. And in the condition white, they describe um, your, I guess, um, your level of awareness or your 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 mental condition at the moment. Uh, people in condition white are pretty much oblivious to everything that's around them, like the two guys that were walking down the street. Um, you're not a, you're not alert. You're not paying attention. Um, you know, it's probably not ever appropriate out in public to be at that level. It, it may be appropriate if you're sitting on your couch watching TV or something like that. Um, but that's condition white. Lots of people walk around that way. If um, you get used to observing people, it's actually fun when you start doing this kind of stuff because when you watch people, people are really entertaining. And if you're at the level you're supposed to be at, then you're watching that. You get to see a lot of stuff. So that's level white where nobody should be. Um, the uh, code yellow when you're there, that's a level of, they, they describe it as relaxed alertness. So this is not paranoid, head-on-the-swivel alertness. It's just doing things like not being on your cell phone, not looking down, kind of looking around, just noticing who's uh, who's there. So they, they have that as code yellow or condition yellow. And then um, condition orange is when you've actually spotted something that could be a problem. And, um, and I'll do this from time to time. We've all hopefully done this, where you're outside and you see somebody that just looks a little different and I say okay I don't not probably not a problem but I'm gonna just keep an eye over there anyway and that's the um, that's the condition orange so you've seen something that could be a problem and then his uh, condition red or the code red is um, where you've actually seen something it now is a problem and you're ready to do whatever it is you need to do so those are kind of the four conditions and if you're a ninja like me you have the ability to be in condition orange while appearing to be in condition white. There you go. <laughs> That's ninja, right? Using there. the force. And, um, you know, there's another uh, a book called Left of Bang. I don't know if we've talked about that on here before. Um, guys that train uh, people in the military, but they've transitioned it over to civilians. And um, they train you to kind of look for things that are out of place because that's how they train the soldiers and things like that that are dealing with terrorists or dealing with people that aren't in uniform that could hurt them. And, uh, again, you could train yourself to do that out in the civilian world. Just notice things that don't look right, that don't fit. So um, Truly, when, my, when I worked downtown, I worked uh, downtown in the NBC building, which is no longer the NBC building, but they had a bunch of hotels around. And on my lunch break, you know, just to go decompress, I'd go sit in the lobby of a hotel and just, just watch people. <laughs> you know, and the conversations you heard and the things you watch people uh, go through when they're checking in and out of a hotel is fascinating. Well, it makes, it makes life better. It's more, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just more fun to be out there the if you're paying attention. things you overhear, it's like, geez. Oh. Well, I thought it was, as always, Joe, excellent content. I thought it was fantastic. I think you do it. Uh, truly some of the best Second Amendment content on the Internet, and I really appreciate everything you write. Well, great. And, you know, if, if it just helps a couple of people, I've, I mentioned Tom Given's book in there, too, The Concealed Carry Class. That's a great soup-to-nuts reference for people that are new to it or, you know, people that have been doing it for a while. Just lots of good information there. People should always seek that stuff out. This is a great show, man. We I got know, a, you a sheriff, a rock star, a seal, and a dramisi. I know. What more <laughs> could you ask for? Don't forget... We got the Lee. Well, that's what Melissa's coming up next. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. There's more Gun Owners Radio with Dave, Joe, and Michael to come on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, 
1170. The answer. All right, folks. Hey, home mortgage interest rates have really, really dropped. And if you're looking to buy or refi, or if you're considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris Wiley a call, 619-722-1303, or just go to primeres.com backslash alpine. All right, we have another great gear review by our product specialist, Melissa Lee. And what have you got for us today? I have something very special. Um, right now I have uh, Bream Michael Warner, and she's the owner and her hash or her handle on Instagram is Tactigal NYC. So um, she's insta famous. Love her. Met her at um, an event at Max Ordnate. She was one of the two girls that got the mile long shot. Oh uh, really? Yes, she oh. did. I was so proud of her. So um, she has gotten together with Amy Robbins, CEO of Alexo Athletica Leggings, and she has developed a special legging. For women for competition because most leggings um you just they, they don't have belt loops most of them don't have belt loops for competitor shooters hmm. and women are getting into competitive shooting nowadays and they need belt loops and they need we need belt loops we really do so brie thank you so much for developing this amy these are great leggings and safe travels on your um your trip that you're doing right now and i know that you're um, listening in right now so welcome brie Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's so nice to talk to you again. Um, can you tell me, how did you get to develop these leggings? These are great. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. No, so seriously, I, like you were saying, finding leggings that have belt loops is, is very difficult. But more than just the loops, one of the things that I was very frustrated, I, you know, as, as you probably know, I, I'm a firearms instructor uh, in New York. And one of the biggest challenges as a female, not only female shooter, but also as an instructor, is that a lot of times my students are always looking for, like, what's the next sort of range gear that's out there? And when it comes to range wear specifically for women, it's always really hard. I, I tend to find that a lot of times it was always men's wear that has just been sized down. And I kind of felt like there, there was a market for sure because I had so many women that wanted to get into training, get into competitive shooting, and have range wear that was not only functional and very comfortable, but also it kind of was more designed with a woman in mind. And obviously with this whole legging platform, it's ultra comfortable. Um, you know, hopefully our goal was to make it super practical. And like you said, it's got the belt loose, but we also made sure that we have compartmentalized pockets that are specifically sewn to accommodate like, you know, nine millimeter mags, like pistol mags and rifle mags, and you've got gear loops. You've got all these other features that hopefully will help that experience on the range, whether you're competitive shooting or you're training. Uh, it will actually help make that experience that much better. So I actually put in um, an AR-15 mag, and I did two um, pistol mags in one side of the leg. So this would be great for two-gunning, three-gunning, um, competitors because you can hold your air mags and your pistol mags all in your pants on each side of your leg. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Exactly. And that's kind of, that's what I really wanted because, you know, I was always the person, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I would always have, you know, my holster and then I would always have those additional, you know, um, uh, either like a Kydex, some kind of a pistol mag holder on my belt. And, you know, I don't, I'm a petite woman, so I don't have a whole heck of a lot of real estate around my waistline. And I always just felt like there was a lot of stuff sort of in the way. 
So for yes, exactly. We want what we wanted to do was incorporate pockets that were just more than your standard. You know, here's a slim pocket. This actually has that dual layer, which you can actually double stack it with those pistol and the AR mags. And that to me was like the I found to be like the most exciting portion of it because I can really like I felt like my own Sherpa. I was like able to kind of stockpile everything <laughs> on my body. And yeah. I mean, I've used you know shot timers on the gear loop, so like I really wanted to see how much we can weigh these down and and we're really happy with how they came out and and I'm I'm so thrilled about it. What I like about this too is that 3 inch reinforced belt loops because it'll fit the rig belt. It like the rig fits in there nicely and there's an extra room. And awesome. yep. with a lot of the belt loops that are out there, they're just too small. They're like meant for little, I don't know, skinny belts, but with a rig you need extra room. <laughs> Nope, exactly. And so that was something, too. We wanted to make sure that, you know, the loops actually, you know, served a, a kind of a, like you said, a multitude of purposes. You know, if you wanted to wear these, even if you wanted to just wear these as concealed carry and you want to, you know, maybe wear a holster that does require that belt, you have that option. But like for, you know, like we said for yourself, if you're a competitive shooter and you have a, a, you know, a heavier rig for that, that will also accommodate that. So I find that they're, they're super versatile depending on whatever your needs are on the given day. Yes, and there is a credit card pocket here in the front. What I like about it yep. too, silicone banding. So it does not move on you as you run and gun. Yes, that was something. So in the past, I've always, you know, I've experienced at least on the range that every time I'm drawing some holster and reholstering, um, over time, over the course of a day, either the leggings start to like sort of slide down because of the weight of everything, or I'm finding like I'm, you know, I'm always either hiking them up or, you know, whatever sort of undershirt that I've got on that I've got it tucked in. I want to keep that that garment sort of away, uh, you know, from the holster so that I'm not getting caught up and snagged up in any of my, my garments. And that was something that we thought about when we added that, that silicone line waistband. We wanted something that, you know, definitely helped keep those pants up in place and not riding down. But then also kept your shirt, anything that you've got tucked in, it'll also keep that in place as well. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about tucking in your shirts because you do have to do that when you compete because you don't want to get anything in the way. Um, exactly. And that was always something I was stressed about, you know, like having garments and especially on the leggings, if they start, you know, the leggings start to ride down and now all of a sudden your shirt starts to ride up. And now, you know, there's always that concern of, you know, are you getting fabric kind of bunched in that area? And you don't want that, you know, you want to be able to make sure that you can operate swiftly, but also safely on the range. Right. And these are not ugly. These are beautiful leggings. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good Thank job you. with this. Um, these have that moto detail, the moto detail on the knee is fabulous. Yes. I Thank love you. these. Yes. You know, we, I mean, that was the thing too. You know, my, my whole philosophy, when Amy and I got together and started talking about this, we wanted something that, you know, you really could literally go from your home to the range and then maybe even out to dinner with, you know, the friends that you went shooting with because we wanted them to look, you know, not just sort of like, tactical but we also wanted them to look sort of you know have a little bit of sex appeal i mean you know i sorry we're, we're women i like fashion and I, i'm not ashamed of that and and to have range wear that i feel like is just fashionable enough to also wear you know on my day-to-day -day is is kind of a plus you know i didn't want to again i didn't want to look like i was wearing menswear that was sized down how do they clean how do you clean them just just seal one you know, wash yeah wash them in the washer <laughs> 
And, you know, we usually recommend, I know with a lot of the Alexo athletic leggings, they usually recommend, you know, sort of hang drying just so that you retain their shape and everything. But they're totally washer friendly. So they're very easy to, to maintain. What about dry cleaning? Dry cleaning shouldn't be an issue either. I mean, I know, you know, sometimes certain elasticities, I would definitely say, you know, it's always safer to kind of ward against any of the chemicals because depending gotcha. on what the chemicals the dry cleaners use it can affect the elasticity but you know again it's it's one of the things where they're they are super easy to maintain so there's not a lot of thought process to it gotcha what i've noticed about these leggings too is that there's these tiny little black loops in each side of the um you know the bottom of the the loops so these yep. ones are for to attach a carabiner so if you want to hook on your gloves or a shot timer, or something like that. You have a place to, to hang stuff. It's almost like having a little molly, but it's discreet. Well, because the big loops would be hard to put a, you know, a carabine around. Yeah. Exactly. And that's something, you know, when I would go to the range and, like, say, you know, I was wearing some kind of, you know, typical yoga legging or, or any kind of pants, that, you know, really didn't have any sort of space to put shot timers, I was always like, okay, where am I going to sit this thing? And that was something that we actually thought about with the gear loop is that we did want to have an ability, again, I'm like my own Sherpa, you know, I want to be able to carry my shooting gloves with me and, and not necessarily have to use up the real estate of the pockets. And then, of course, the shot timer, you know, trying to finagle where to sort of hang that on my body if I'm not wearing, you know, like a cargo pant kind of a deal. We wanted to figure out a place for that as well. And we did put them on both sides so that it was ambidextrous. So regardless of whether you're a right-handed or a left-handed shooter, everything has been set up to be ambidextrous. So it really does accommodate, you know, a broad spectrum of shooters. I'm really impressed at how much thought you put into this for women. And Thank you. as a competitive shooter myself, it it's like you've solved all my problems. I can actually put all my mags and my phone and the shot timer and attach gloves you know, and carry a form of payment on me all in one. And like you said, it's like a Sherpa. I may be weighed down a lot, but you know what? I can carry everything on my own. I don't need any help. Well, I think the nice thing, too, is everything, the weight is sort of where things are designed. It's sort of evenly distributed. So even though you can load up a lot, I don't. I feel like we really made great effort to not uh, sort of make a certain area sort of the heavy load. So you don't feel like you're out of balance, which is what I also really liked about it. And, and I have to say, like, this is something that, you know, I had been dreaming about for quite some time. I got to be honest, you know, since I began teaching uh, firearms, I was always sort of really for my own sake, looking for those, you know, great range wear options out there. And I wasn't finding what I really wanted. And then when, when Amy sort of approached me and, and Alexa Athletica kind of, we started talking about doing this range leg together, then it was just like, oh my gosh, everything, my, my Christmas wish list uh, sort of came true. And, and I, again, I couldn't be more thrilled because I feel like this has been a, a long time coming uh, in my mind, at least. So it's great to actually get to see it now out into the marketplace. Well, good job, hey, Bree. Real quick, I just want to tell a real quick story about Bree. This is very, very cool. Um, there's a local group called Active Valor that uh, helps with Gold Star families. Yep. And they uh, sponsored a shoot to teach some Gold Star wives. These are wives who lost their husband in, in, in combat uh, how, to, how to shoot. And they reached out, and we, we helped with lunch, and we got them arranged and everything. And I said, well, who's, who's going to – Who's your instructor? And they said, "Well, do you know who Bree Warner is?" I said, "Yeah, I didn't know she lived in San Diego." And they said, "No, she doesn't. She flew in just to do that sh- that shoot, that educational wow. shoot for them." And I thought that was very, very cool, Bree. I thought that was a wonderful uh, thing of you. you. To do. It was. I have to say, hands down, if 
if ever, you know, God put into my path, like the thing that I was supposed to do in this next chapter of my life, uh, I am so thankful for meeting Active Valor and getting that opportunity because that to me, that day in the range, we're, we're definitely planning, you know, this year was tough with COVID, but we're definitely planning to do more of those uh, sessions. But I have to say the women that I had the opportunity to train that day, I am so inspired by them because their fearlessness was just overwhelming and i am so proud of each of them because they they just did incredibly well and, and i just feel really privileged to be part of that and i'm excited to see you know what future classes we can hold for a lot of these women moving forward especially as we start to phase out hopefully move forward out of covid in the near future hey Bree, tell us real quick where can everybody get these leggings and if you have a discount code for us Sure, sure, sure. Yes. So you can get them at alexoathletica.com. That is the main website. If you go into their leggings, you're going to see them there. They're called the Athena leggings. Uh, you'll see them. They are the moto, the moto knees. They've got the range pants. Uh, and then as far as a discount code, we do. Uh, you can use the discount code alexotactigal10. So alexotactigal with a G10, and that will give you 10% discount off your order. All right, kid. Hey, thank you very, very much, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you down the road. Sounds wonderful. Thank you again, guys. Thank All you. All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio right here on FM 96.1 AM Gun Owners Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Well, you know, thousands of new gun buyers just found out what San Diego gun owners already knew. AO Sword Firearms in El Cajon has the widest selection of guns in the county. Hundreds of new and used guns in stock and everything you could want for an AR-15. AO Sword is also a professional gunsmith with a full machine shop for cleaning, repairs, upgrades, or customization. Check out A.O. Sword on Facebook or on AOSword.com. All right. We have got a very, very special guest on the line, Scott McEwen. He's the author of American Sniper, the Chris Kyle autobiography. Scott grew up in the mountains of eastern Oregon, where he became an Eagle Scout, hiking, fishing, and hunting. At every opportunity was presented to him. He obtained his undergraduate degree in Oregon and therefore thereafter studied and worked extensively in London, England. Scott works with the with and provides support for several military ch- charitable organizations, including SEAL Team Foundation. Scott's interest in military history, intense patriotism, and experience with long-range hunting rifles compelled him to accurately record the battlefield experiences of Chris Kyle and the most lethal sniper in the United States military history. Hey. How you doing, Scott? Finally got you on the show. I'm good, Dave. Thank you for having me on. All right. So how did you get connected with the SEALs? What, what was that connection there? Well, in a, in a, in a past life, I used to be a, a lawyer, and uh, although I'm, I'm still a recovering lawyer, and uh, <laughs> I gave a lot of uh, pro bono, uh, free legal, if you will, uh, help to the Navy SEALs and to uh, – families of uh, seals that were deployed uh here in san diego and uh as a result of that i got to know a few of the guys in the teams pretty well and one 
couple of guns with Chris Kyle, and I got to know Chris real well. And uh, when I story and the unbelievable things that he'd gone through for this country, uh, you know, I convinced him to write American Sniper, and uh, the rest was history. Interesting. I mean, that is absolutely fantastic. Now, you were a, lo- a lawyer. Were you always a writer, an author? I was not. I was not. A book that I wrote was American Sniper, although I obviously did writing on a technical fashion, you yeah. know, as, while being a lawyer. Uh, I had never done any uh, recreational or, or uh, bio- biographical writing before that. Interesting. How can people find the book? Because I'm sure it's still out there. Oh, you, anywhere you want to buy a book, you can find American Sniper. I mean, yeah. all your brick and mortar, you gotcha. know, Amazons, you know, Barnes and Nobles, everything like that. They, they've, they've all got that book as well as I'm now on my 11th book. My 11th book will be coming out next year. <laughs> yeah, you and I have been talking about it. Uh, can you give a little sneak preview of what it's going to be about? Yeah, my next book is called uh, Hell Weekend. It's really a second-person story of a young kid, you know, young man becoming Navy SEALs and going through what many would consider to be the crucible, the most difficult military test in, you know, anywhere in the world. And that is to get, go through buds and hell week and become a Navy SEAL. And this book is about the uh, things that I've learned from them. And uh, it has direct relation to, you know, the things that we're going through right now in this country with this whole COVID and everything else that we're, we're experiencing right now with the shutdowns, et cetera. And, this is kind of the hell week for this country. And, uh, you know, I give some suggestions for people to get through this because it's a very difficult time for a lot of people. And there are an awful lot of people looking for help, looking for direction. So what are some of the challenges that you find uh, being pro-USA and Second Amendment in this crazy, woke industry? You know, I mean, it's funny, too, because I, you know, I've done interviews from you know, New York and Stephanopoulos and Good Morning America to, you know, to all the stuff when Sniper became huge and then we lost Chris. And, um, you know, the left wing always criticized, you know, what happened with Chris and kind of used it as their, you know, gotcha moment. And uh, my position was that Chris would never want that and that, uh, you know, the man believed in, you know, Second Amendment, died for the Second Amendment. And, uh and, uh, you know, it's a very important thing for me to to reinforce that with people that, you know, there's a lot of people that have given their lives to defend our right to defend ourselves. And uh, the day we give that up is the day we become no different than many of these other uh, countries that have fallen into dis- into ruin in history. And I believe that the reason this country is as strong as it is is because of the Second Amendment and because of the Constitution. Hey, how did you when you, when you write these the, the books with you know about the you know various subjects, especially you know with the special ops guys? Does it have to go through some kind of you know check? That, does the government have to give its blessing first? Have you ever run into you know hey you can't put you can't include this chapter because it's you know classified or something like that? Is that a is that a concern or a process you have to go through? Well, it's more than a concern. It's an absolute. Uh, anytime you write nonfiction, i.e. factual accounts of any member of the military, particularly Navy SEALs, that have served in active combat or in the military, actually any military engagements, uh, you must submit the book to the Department of Defense. There are strict procedures for doing so. And if you don't do so, uh, I, I know of personally guys that have not done it, uh, you know, and uh, they've had the entirety of their book receipts 
seized by the federal government, uh, which is one option the federal government has, or the second option they have is to prosecute you for uh, for not uh, submitting the book or both. So anybody out there that's in the military that is considering doing a book that it has anything to do with their active military service, I strongly recommend so that I, it be submitted to the Department of Defense. And did they come back and actually say, hey, this whole chapter, this whole paragraph's got to go, or was it was it pretty easy to work with them? Or, or you're not allowed to tell uh, you me? No, I can't say. <laughs> okay. Well, no, 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 no. I, no, no, no. I can't say it's been easy to work with them. I'm saying that uh, some people, reviewers, are better than others. Uh, I recall a book I did with Ryan Zinke, then Congressman, former SEAL Team 6 commander, uh, you know, and, and then ultimately was the Secretary of the Interior for Trump. And I did a book with Ryan called American Commander. And out of 400 pages, we had over 100 redacted. Wow. Mm. I remember back in the 90s when uh, um, Dwight, what was the name of the book, uh, the SEAL Team 6 guy? that uh, Rogue Warrior. Rogue by Warrior. Marcinko. Marcinko. By Marcinko. I remember Marcinko. when that came Marcinko. out. Marcinko. By the way, we have yeah. we have uh, Dwight in the studio. He's uh, uh, was a SEAL, and he now works for uh, SEAL One, the lubricant and, and uh, cleaner, gun cleaner. I think you guys know each okay. other, right? Well, we met in uh, uh, I, in Vegas. Met. Yeah, we met. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, right, right, right. Yeah. I, I remember when Rogue Warrior came out in the '90s. That was enormously controversial because you know he was you know giving away secrets or whatever. I, I think he got slapped on the wrist once or twice for for his book. So I, I, it's fascinating that. Uh, you know, um, you know the process that you have to go through. That you could ac- accidentally, you know, put some things out there that they don't want people to know. I'm, I'm sure that's that's uh, why a you huge submit concern. the book. <laughs> that's why you submit yeah, exactly. it. Well, and I think yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have to. It doesn't hurt you being a lawyer either. So you sort of kind of know what you can do and what you can't do. Uh, no, seals know better than me. You know, the guys that have been in the teams. They know pretty darn well, you know, what what is and is not, you know, supposedly classified. But, you know, for example, the book I did with Ryan, and I'm willing to say this because I thought it was so absurd then that we we probably would have won it if we'd have fought it in court. But they refused to allow us to use the term SEAL Team 6. (laughs) Now, back in the day when Dick Marcinko started SEAL Team 6, that might have been a classified term for a, you know, a very short period of time or or one that I think would, would... be worthy of classification but since then i mean obviously there's been movies books yeah. everything known to mankind come out and everybody knows what it is but uh the department of defense uh were sticklers on the fact that they would not allow the term six to be used anywhere in that work whatsoever and i thought you know you guys are getting a little bit you know you got to follow their direction and kind of try to work around them and once you get the approval you're fine and you know that everything in there, there's no way they can come back and say, you know, there was anything classified or that would otherwise release tactics or procedures that would compromise our men in the field. Yeah. Well, and that's the most important thing. I mean, nobody wants to compromise the men exactly. in the field, let's face it. Right, exactly. That's that's our biggest concern. And any of the guys I write with, that's what, you know, their, their biggest concern is that, you know, nothing in there is going to in any way, you know, either uh, – either expose, you know, something that the teams don't want exposed or, you know, more importantly, you know, give a tactic or a procedure that would otherwise, uh, you know, lower our ability to do our jobs. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I tell you what, buddy, I was really glad we were able to get you on. I've been wanting the folks to hear about you and your and your books. Uh, you have 11 books already out? Jeez Louise. Yeah, yeah, comicqn.com is a good way to look at my stuff. Uh, my 11th will be coming out 
this coming year and uh and uh you know uh, it's been an amazing run and uh you know i'm just happy that uh i still have you know some some heroes that contact me on a regular basis that want to have their stories written and you know i have a wealth of information and stories that i i get to go through and you know there's still men out there and i think people better realize and remember that while we've kind of drawn down on a few of these wars out there, there's still guys out there doing this job every day yeah. and got boots in the ground in harm's way. And, uh, you know, those are the guys that I try to support. All right, buddy. Hey, I'll see you at Bonji's in about 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later, Dave. All yeah. right. All right. I, I had uh, a, uh, thanks. all right, buddy, take care. Uh, real quick. I told my, my dad was on subs a long time ago and I watched this really cool, uh, uh, documentary and I, I was talking on the phone I said hey dad I, I, you know how we have these listening devices all across the Pacific Ocean so that we can hear the Russians and he goes what no that's ridiculous we don't have anything like that that's ridiculous I said dad I, I just saw a documentary about it and he goes oh alright yeah we have that <laughs> <laughs> well you know they, they pounded in you in the military right yep. Dwight I mean they'll tell you what to say and what not to say and if you say it you won't like the repercussions and it's not peeling potatoes that's for sure i appreciate the professionalism i'm sure you do all right we're gonna take a quick break you're listening to gun owners radio right here on fm 96.1 am 1170 the answer welcome back to gun owners radio educating you on your second amendment right now here are your hosts of Gun Owners Radio, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio right here on FM 961 AM 1170. The Answer. We are so proud to have Firearms Policy Coalition as a partner. Firearms Policy Coalition has been on fire filing a ton of lawsuits here in California and across the nation to protect your Second Amendment. Together, we are working on all levels to restore your self-defense rights, so we need you to join Firearms Policy Coalition now. People, they are making things happen. FPC just filed a petition for the Holloway v. Barr case to be heard by the Supreme Court. This could be the first Second Amendment case heard by the Supreme Court in over a decade. They need our help. Become a member today by visiting their website, firearmspolicy.com. Dot org. You know, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I don't. You, I, th- but this, this yeah. song, this is exactly what we were talking about in the second segment here when we were talking about rock and roll as a kid making me pro gun. That this that was Enter Sandman by Metallica. You guys remember what was on the cover of that album? It was a snake. It was the Gadsden flag snake. They had a song on there called Don't Tread on Me. Yeah. They had another song on there called Of Wolf and Man, which was about hunting, you know? And anyway, perfect example. I think Brendan planned that. It's like he dug into my brain. He does. I don't know about that, but, you know. Good job. Uh, hey, we're going to have our very special guest, Dwight, ask the question. Sam, are you there? Yeah, how are you guys? We're doing wonderful. And so Dwight is going to ask the question. Are you ready, sir? Uh, yes, I am. All right, go for it. So this is uh, Stump My Nephew by Sam the Gunman. All right, Sam, uh, from Mona and Escondido. Question. In 1964, the M-16 entered military service with the Air Force being the first branch to adopt the AR variant. Visually, what is the most obvious design difference between the AR 
the AF adopted, and the M16A1, all branches adopted. Thanks very much for writing in, Mona. Um, And this is a a really interesting question with a lot of background that I just don't have the time to go into. Um, But the... uh, As the question states, the United States Air Force was the first branch to adopt um, an AR-15 variant for official use. Um, They actually did so at the personal request of Curtis LeMay, um, who had the opportunity to try one out at a uh, garden party and enjoyed it so thoroughly that he uh, he tried to place an order right then and there. Now, uh, the Air Force AR-15s, I believe most of them were Colt Model 602s, Uh, are visually distinctive because they have green furniture and lack a forward assist or any provision for one. The answer is forward assist for the Bolt. You're exactly right. So there there was no forward assist on the original design, was there? No. Um, For those of you who don't know, a forward assist is uh, that button protruding from the right side of the receiver of an AR pattern firearm. Um, It is designed to force the bolt into battery. The reason the Air Force didn't want them was because during the initial testing of the AR-15, which had been designed without one, um, they encountered no failures that could have been remedied by forcing the action closed. So um, even after the forward assist was added by the U.S. Army on later AR variants, Um, the Air Force still required that their rifles would be provided with no forward assist. The only time I've ever used a forward assist, Dwight, have you ever actually used the forward assist on an AR for any particular? Never. Yeah, (laughs) never, right? Okay, so the only time I've ever actually used a forward assist is I was taking a four-day class, and they would teach to, uh, you know, do a chamber check, make sure you got a bullet in there. And I always felt like, okay, you know, you I, I, didn't really slam forward, right? The, when, you, when you pull it back just far enough to see if there's a bullet in the chamber, it didn't really slam forward. So I'd always hit that forward assist a couple of times. I don't think it actually ever did anything, but it made me feel really good. So that's I, just real. That's a big part get, of why the, uh, the Army kept the forward assist on um, after, after requesting that it be added is because they they actually went out and said that um, it made soldiers feel better, or they thought it made soldiers feel better, uh, to have the ability to, I don't know, I guess turn a failure to feed into a much more difficult-to-remedy failure to extract, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, we we used it a couple of times just because there was nothing else to do. The jam was so bad from a double feed that it was like, well, let's beat on it and see if this works because it's on here. (laughs) <laughs> but seriously, that was the only time we had used it. Uh-huh. It never did anything. And I know that there's some. Uh, do you know, uh, Sam? Do you know any companies that are actually making ARs like off the shelf? That what do they call? It? What what's the nickname for the uh, for no forward assist? What do they call those? Slick side uh, uppers. Yeah, I know you'd know. Okay, so what are there <laughs> any manufacturers? Any manufacturers that are making slick sides right off the shelf? I know there are a handful of uh, boutique manufacturers that offer rifles without that offer complete rifles without them because it saves a little bit of weight and bulk. Um, but if you want to build your own, Aero Precision does make a slick side upper. Um, I've I've ordered a couple of those and I'm they're still on back order. I'm waiting for them to ship. Um, I think Anderson also makes a slick side upper, but it's Anderson, so your mileage may vary. 
Um, I'm sure there are a few others, but um, I, I know Aero Precision is a good one. So Dwight is with CL1, the cleaner lubricant. Are you? Uh, have you used CL1? I have not, but I've heard uh, nothing but good things about it. All right. Well, there, there's your homework for the week. You got to go try some CL1. All right. Since he wasn't able, he wasn't able to stump you with Mona's question. Right. Do you sell on the good East Coast? Good question. Yeah, our factory's in Maine. His factory's in Maine. Yeah. Right up the street from you. <laughs> Uh, it's not so much right up the street from me. It's, uh, it's about as much as aero precision is up the street from you, but I guess you guys are pretty close to, uh, Wyndham weaponry, aren't you? Uh, yes, they're, uh, they're not far and, uh, they, they use the product. Oh, very nice. We'll get, we'll get you hooked up and see if you can, see if you can. Does your shop carry it? Um, no, we, uh, I know we have break free CLP. Um, I, uh, we've been getting some other stuff lately. I don't remember what it is, but we pretty much stock whatever we can find uh, in, in, in this environment. Well, this is uh, biodegradable. It's it's not toxic in any way, shape, or form, and it comes in three uh, spray, uh, paste, and the liquid. And the liquid. So there you go. All right. Sounds good. We'll get you some. <clears throat> All right, Sam. Well, excellent job, man. As always, As I, always. I, I kind of, I, I don't think that was an easy question. I don't think that's an easy question, right? Did you guys know? Did anybody know without we looking? Made it sound nope. simple. Yeah, I really don't think that's an easy question. Now we stumped you last week, well, first time in a long time, um, but uh, that was not an easy question. You didn't have it, you know, prior. But I knew when I saw it, I knew you were going to get it. Yeah, I did too. Um, that's how bad it is. We already know. When you're going to get him. We just don't know when you're not. That's all. All right, buddy. Have a good week, and we will talk to you next week. All right. See you in a week. All right, folks. So, hey, if you're listening on YouTube or on the podcast, smash that like button and subscribe button as well. And share the show with your friends. And please support all our great sponsors. And if you have questions or concerns about our, our show, don't hesitate to go to gunownersradio.com and give us some information on to what you're thinking about. You really want to thank San Diego County gun owners, U.S. Law Shield, Cali Key, the Dillon Law Group, A.O. Sword Firearms Store, Firearms Policy Coalition, Seal One, PRMI Mortgage, and our newest partner, National Concealed Carry Association. And don't forget to set a reminder for next week's show, Clint Smith, from Thunder Ranch will be joining us, and you don't want to miss that one. And I really, really want to thank Michael Schwartz, Joe Germisi, Melissa Lee, Sam the Gunman, and our digital master, Brendan Thomas. And, Dwight, we really thank you for coming in and hanging out with us. It's been a blast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You might get me to clean my guns. (laughs) So for any other information, all our podcasts, go to gunownersradio.com. And don't forget to check in and tell all your friends. And now we're on YouTube. So get on that YouTube channel and the find us. You go to you go to YouTube.com slash gun owners radio. Bingo. Super easy. All right, guys. Mr. Siegel is coming up next, and I'm sure he has got tons to talk about. I have a sneaky feeling he watched the the uh, uh, Trump last night. I'm sure he'll have a few things to say about that right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Gun Owners Radio. 
fighting to preserve and restore your Second Amendment right. Learn more about Gun Owners Radio and how to become a guest or sponsor by visiting gunownersradio.com. Join Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz every week at this same time as they talk guns and Second Amendment rights. Have fun while staying informed and getting involved. This has been Gun Owners Radio on The Answer San Diego. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.